Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. So we're in a series about a guy named Daniel and the lessons that he and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, teach us about how to be unshakable in life. And so we've been talking about things like stress comes before success and every blessing uh, comes after a testing in your life. Uh, it was 35 years ago that Beverly Hills Cop came out. Does anybody remember that? Yeah, 35 years ago. And... Uh, Anybody remember this song? It's called uh, the, heat the Heat Is On. on the Sang by the late Glenn Fry of Eagles Frame. And it's also, uh, he plays the guitar on this and he'll play the solo later on. Alright. He got paid $15,000 to sing and record this song and play the guitar on the song and play the solo, and that was it. No residuals or anything. The song was worth over $16 million. He got Jeff. Okay. Thank you for that. If you don't cut it, they're going to they're gonna start singing. Oh, oh, oh. The heat is on. It's on the street, inside your head, on every beat, and the beat's so loud, it's deep inside, because the pressure's high just to stay alive, the heat is on. Tell me, can you feel it? Tell me, can you feel it? Tell me, can you feel it? Next week, okay. You ever felt it? You felt the heat, the pressure? It's interesting that that expression that the heat is on is a very old expression. Over a hundred years ago, uh, gangsters used to use that. The heat's on. The cops are coming. 5050, here they come, here they come. They're coming. The heat's on. The pressure's on. In the 30s, it was a big thing that, you know, the heat is on. And now the heat is on uh, also implies there's an interrogation going on. There's pressure on you. The heat is on. Uh, In Daniel 3, we're going to see today that the heat is on. Yeah, Daniel uh, and his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, have been taken away from Israel. Uh, 25% of the population has been brought into Babylonian captivity, and for three years they were indoctrinated to believe there was no God that they believed in, but the only gods, plural, lowercase g, that existed were the Babylonian gods. They were stripped of their clothes, given new clothes. They, they were told to eat certain foods. Remember we saw that Daniel said, no way, I'm going to eat my food because my food that God has given us, our dietary laws, uh, separates us from the rest of the world. We are God's chosen people and we're going to do what God has told us to do. And now we're going to fast forward about 15 years. These guys are now 30 years of age. Daniel is not in this particular story. He's somewhere governing for the king. Uh, They've all been promoted. Every time they go through a test, 
they get a promotion. And the king, who is ungodly, even recognizes their strength, their ability, and their competencies. So Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue. How tall? 90 feet high. So in easy math, that's nine stories. We don't have a building nine stories tall in Lompoc. None. 90 stories tall and nine feet wide. And he set it up in the plain of Dura, in the area of Babylon. And he called the leaders, the governors, assistant governors, captains, uh, the soldiers, people who advised the king. I mean, he called every leader he has. And he said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to come to a special service, dedication service, to a statue of myself. Uh, Narcissism. Come on. And so they all came for the special service and stood in front of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then a man who made announcements for the king said, Hear ye, hear ye, all you people of the nations, and those of every language, and whoever you are, this is a command. When you hear the sound of the horns, the flutes, the lyres, the zithers, the harps, the pipes, and all other musical instruments, you must, you must bow down and worship. 25% of Israel is now a part of this populace. And you will bow down, but you will also worship. You will you'll, you'll lift your hands, you'll, you'll, you'll sing, you'll surrender your life, and anyone who doesn't bow down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So this story happens over 2,500 years ago, and I would beg to insert my opinion capital O opinion, that not much has changed. Uh, We live in a world that creates larger-than-life images for me to worship. We worship beauty, larger than life. If I could only look like him, if I could only look like her, you don't know she's been touched up and photoshopped, but anyway, if I could only... Physical beauty. By the way, we also live in a culture that if we're not careful will uh, worship youth. Now, we serve youth. You can, you can tell. You can smell. There's people out there barbecuing right now. You heard that we have 50 kids that are going to camp, and that's wonderful. And we spend a lot of time and energy. Uh, we even hire staff people to take care of our youth, and that's all great. And you're investing in youth. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's great. But sometimes when you hit your um, <clears throat> late 60s or early 70s, Uh, You can get around young people who say things like, well, they're just old. Put up with them. They really don't know what they're talking about. I was with a young uh, pastor. He's 25 years old, pastoring a church. By the way, he's doing great. I'm so proud of this young guy. And he said, "Um, anything that you could give me, any life lessons that you could, (laughs) I think I'm going to give you 40 years of ministry over lunch, but I'm going to try And uh, besides, stay close to God, love your family, take care of yourself, self-care, make sure you have breaks, make sure you, you, you know, you you get time alone with God and all that. I I looked in his eyes and I said, you are going to be fabulous. You're going to be one of our best pastors in America after you've had more pain. Come on. Everything's going well. You know, he marries a, a wife that looks like she came off the cover of a magazine, and, uh, you know, he's like buff, and he works, he's 25. Everything is 
buff. It's, it's tight. It's taunt. I mean, everything is, you know, he's got no wrinkles. You ought to see him grab his coffee cup. I mean, it's just everything about him. And I hate to say this. There are women that go to his church because he's a pretty good preacher, but he's just so handsome. He's got ladies that go to church because he's handsome. Think about that. I don't have that problem. You know, it's so great. And I said, you're going to do well when, when you've had more pain and you've, you've buried people from your own church, people that you believed and prayed over that they would get healed and they didn't, they died. Or when you go to an ER or an ICU and there's a child there on life support, I said, uh, it's going to happen. And when it does, you're going to be called to be the man of faith and power and God's presence. And when it happens you're going to recognize that us older people who've walked before you, we may have some value to add to you. And so you're going to be great when you've had more, more pain. Or how about this? We, we, we worship people that we wish we could be like. We idolize people. They, they pack out stadiums and arenas. They give speeches or concerts. And we love fame and power and influence and popularity and you know, some of you are in the military and you have to, you have to salute, whether you like it or not. You have to work with or submit to or come under chain of command. And, and that can be hard and difficult. Sometimes people idolize stripes and stuff that they wear and vestments or square footage or cars they drive or portfolios they have. But here's what we are told in this story. When the music plays all of you fall down and all of you worship. Everybody else in the nation is bowing. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing up and they're sitting out like sore thumbs. And the people are upset. In Daniel 3, verse 8 to 12, it says, At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. And they said, Now, by the way, they denounced the Jews. This is anti-Semitism at its best. And some of you have had to deal with prejudice and, and, and people who have come against you. And I, I, I feel for you. I, I pray for grace and peace for you. But they said to Nebuchadnezzar, um, may the king live forever, because that's what he wants to hear. Come on. And your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the zit, the synthesizer, the drums, and the cowbell. Uh, I put that in. Uh, must fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown in a blazing fire. These are the tattletales. Look at those Jews, those three Jews. There are some of them you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. By the way, some of these leaders were jealous that Nebuchadnezzar had promoted these Jews. They got jobs we wish we had. We're, 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 we're comparing ourselves to them, and we don't like it, and we're jealous. By the way, jealousy is horrible. Oh, it'll, it'll crush you. And these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, pay no attention to you, your majesty. See, they throw that in. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. This is where the heat is on comes from. There will always be people who want to burn you. Those of you with experience, come on. 
You know, if you're 19, you may get this, you may not get this. But let me prophesy to you 19-year-olds, you 25-year-olds. There will always be people who want to burn you, and doing the right thing always gets some people fired up. I can't believe you did that. Or a gentleman that I know who was asked to cook the books, asked to finagle some numbers, asked to fudge a little bit, and he decided he wouldn't, and he he told the CEO, he said, there's no way I'm going to do that. Well, why? He says, because I, I live for a higher standard. And let me rephrase. I will not bow down and worship you. Now, I will give you an honest day's work because I work as under the Lord. But when you're asking me to violate the law, or you're asking me to, thou shalt not lie, and you're asking me to violate the Ten Commandments, listen, this gentleman got fired from his big High six-figure, high six-figure job. And he went through a lot of trauma over that. His whole lifestyle changed. Stuff that they had and stuff that they got to do and vacations they got to take were no more. But listen, about six months later, investigation started with that company. Big investigation. About three more months after that, nine months after he got fired, people actually got indicted and incarcerated for what they were doing. Oh, he was praising the Lord. He got fired. (laughs) But why did he get fired? Because he chose not to lack integrity. He chose not to lack character. And guess what? No one came after him. No one knocked at his door and said, we want your computer, your flash drive, your iPhone, your Android. We want to know where you've been. Where were you on the 13th of May? I mean, nobody came to his house. And while he mourned and grieved his friends, who went down the wrong track, he would not bow down. Listen, the reason Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down is because they knew the commandments of God. Number one command says, you shall have no other gods before me. See, whatever we place first in our life becomes our God. Your business can be your God. Your spouse can be your God. Your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, Making money can be your God. Having fun can be your God. Nothing wrong with all these things. But if anything takes the place of God, your ship is going to sink. And you will be gravely disappointed by whatever you believe should take the place of God. And the second commandment is you shall have no idols, no graven images. Make no idol in the form of anything. Heaven, on earth, beneath the earth, beneath the waters, Don't bow down to anything other than God, and God then kind of just says it this way, I'm a jealous God. Daniel 3, 13 to 15. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, "Uh, Is it true, boys, that you do not serve my gods and worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the music again... You need to fall down and worship me. And if you do not worship, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace and see what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Hmm. So what do you do when the heat's on? I'm going to give you several points. Number one, don't worry about defending yourself. I don't worry about defending myself. That's a hard thing to do because we're wired to be defensive. You know, remember that old brake bumper sticker, Italian bumper sticker? You touch on my car, I break your face. 
Listen, we live in a culture that is so quick to respond with venom and hatred and fire and and negativity, as though we need to defend ourselves. Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you, the strongest person in their lives, the most powerful person in their lives. You, we, we don't need to defend you in the, uh, ourselves to you in this matter. Who's going to save you? <laughs> Who's going to help you? And in this case, it was God. The second thing I want you to remember is, remember that God has the power to save me. We need to remember that. When stuff gets crazy, when the heat is on, when we're in the mess that we're in, the crisis that we're in, the difficulty that we're in, we need to remember that God will save us. Daniel 3.17, if we're thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is, is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now, they're not disrespectful. They still call him majesty. Your majesty's hand. But God will save us. We have the power to believe that, and we remember that. But not only do we remember, the third thing is we believe that God will save us. Not only can he do it, he will do it. That's faith. That's faith when you're in the middle of a crisis or in the middle of a problem. These guys are in their 30s, and they're standing up in the midst of the entire nation before the king, and they're saying, hey, we are serving God, and we believe that God will save us. Let's read together Isaiah 43. The prophet Isaiah is speaking for God, and he says this. Let's read. When you go through deep waters, and I will be with you. And when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Why? For I am am the Lord your God. By the way, none of those words say if. Come on. When. How many have been wind before? Wind. Yeah, it's happened to you. You thought this was going to turn out that way and it turned out another way. That's where I just wrote in my notes, God, heal our unbelief. And the fourth thing is, very powerful, declare my loyalty to God no matter what. Declare my loyalty to God no matter what. Daniel 3.18 says, but even if he does not, he does not deliver us. We want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. In other words, there is no way we're going to cease our commitment to the God that we believe in. Here's what happens in crisis and in fires and in difficult times. Sometimes God saves us from the crisis. Sometimes God saves us through the crisis. And sometimes God saves us by the crisis. He saves us from it. You don't got to go through this. I'll take you this path. And you go, thank you, God, for saving me from that. The second one is sometimes God saves us through the crisis. We have to go through it, but he helps us through it. And sometimes God saves us by the crisis. I had a friend who started having a pain in the neck, which he called a pain in the neck. And uh, he went to the doctor, and uh, he said, man, I think, and the doctor initially said, well, I think he pulled a muscle and gave him some muscle relaxants and some a leave or whatever else, and a hot pack and a cold pack. And, but it, it kept persisting. So he went 
to the doctor again. Doctor sent him to a specialist, and the pain in the neck was a precursor to finding out that there was some cancer going on in his shoulder. His shoulder didn't hurt at all, just his neck. The neck said, I know what we'll do. We'll, we'll get you to the doctor. And so they did blood tests, and, and they found out, and, and they got the cancer early, thank God. But the pain in the neck became something that ended up saving him by his, by his crisis. I mean, he couldn't sleep at night, pads, cold and hot. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I know he had all kinds of stuff going on, all kinds of meds on board. And finally, he recognized, thank God for the pain in the neck, he said. Sometimes the pain in the neck could actually help you. Yeah. Now, we're going to move on to uh, Daniel 3, 19 and 20. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. And he ordered the furnace heated. What does it say? What does it say that? Oh, we're on 19 and 20. I'm sorry. Different verse. Okay. That's all right. I'll read 19 and 20. Yeah. So, uh, no. Anyway, I'm going to read 19 and 20. Some of you are there. Don't worry about it. You're doing an awesome job. It might not be up there. Is it not up there? Oh, that's okay. You're awesome. I'm the one that's wrong. I'm glad you're driving the plane and not me. Thank you. <laughs> or the ship. She's up in the wheelhouse. Yeah, so let me read 19 and 20. Some of you have it there in your Bible. He ordered the furnace heated, come on, seven times hotter than usual. Now, why did he heat it seven times hotter? Because he's suspicious. He thinks there might actually be a God. He thinks there, this, 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 this faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is starting to stir him up. He goes, I know what we'll do. We'll make the fire seven times hotter because the king is insecure. And insecure people always overreact. Hello? If you're insecure, you know who you are. You overreact. And all of that vile stuff that's coming out of the king is because he's angry at the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now verse 20 and 23. Thank you. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers. As they start to throw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys are crispy critters, and they die. When the heat is on, God will be with me in the fire. He'll be with me in the fire. He'll be in the fire with me. He'll be right where I am. God doesn't run from problems. He doesn't run from fires of your life. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Hey, would you turn to your neighbor, first to make sure they're awake, and second, turn to your neighbor and say, God is always with you no matter what. Go ahead. God is always with you no matter what. You watch it online. God is always with you no matter what. Yeah. Daniel 3, 24 and 25, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men? Come on, we, you Sunday school people, come on. Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into this fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, look, I see four men. I love it. Walking around. 
They're walking around in the fire. Before we get to the fourth guy, they're walking around in the fire. Now, here's what I know about fires. You don't want to walk around. And if you're walking, that means you're standing. And if you're standing, you don't ever want to be in a fire standing up. You get out, you, you crawl, right? Because the lowest point, because smoke builds up here, and it, it, even if there's, you don't see the flames, you breathe in that hot smoke, you'll singe your lungs. You could die from smoke inhalation. Isn't that true? Okay. So, so, so guess what they're doing? They're walking around in there. I, I don't know. I think they might be. He, he is, I don't know what they're doing. They're doing something in the fire. I mean, it's cool. And we see a fourth man walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. Now, a bunch of study could be done on this. Some say that the Son of God's is a euphemism. Some say he looked like an angel. Later on, it will say it was an angel. Some believe it's a divine presence. Many scholars believe, like I do, it was actually the Son of God, the S-O-N, that it's an Old Testament manifestation of Jesus Christ, that he's standing in the fire with them. Now, if you don't believe that, you have that right. But let me tell you about the fires now that we know Jesus Christ is with us, never leaving us nor forsake us. If you're ever thrown in a fire, Jesus Christ will be standing there with you. Well, what am I going to do? I don't know. Just turn to your friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. Huh? What am I going to do? On Christ the solid rock, I said. You know? Come on. I mean, just think about it. What a beautiful name it is. Oh, Lord, forgive me. We're not seeing this as a beautiful moment. The crisis, excuse my Latin, please. Please excuse my Latin. The crisis sucks. But Jesus, you don't. And you are with me, standing with me in the middle of this thing that I'm going through. I don't understand. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. And they come out better than before because Isaiah 48.10 says, I've refined you, but not in the way silver is refined. Rather, I've refined you in the furnace of suffering. Some of you have been through hell and high water. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you are dealing with, with uh, health issues or health issues of loved ones in your family. Some of you have been through the big C cancer. God bless you. God bless you. And here's what I know about it all. Even though God didn't cause it, God causes it to work together for good. And boy, we hear that all the time. Romans 8, 20, it'll work together for good. No one wants to hear that when they're in the fire. But after you go through the fire to stop and say, God, you've worked this together for good. You've refined me through this season. I am better than I was without this. Yeah, but you don't know what my kid's been through and put us through. That's right. But you're better because of it. If you allow Christ to be with you and work a refining work in you, God will make sure I come out better than before. It's worked for me. You see how most unawesome I would be if I hadn't been through all the stuff I've been through? Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening, the blazing furnace, and he shouts at the top of his lungs. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the servants of the Most High God, come out. I mean, this guy, this guy is changed radically because of their faith. He wouldn't even acknowledge there was any other God but the gods of Babylon. He wouldn't even acknowledge there was anybody else worthy to bow down to except him and the gods he created. And now he says, Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego came out of the fire. 
and all this other people came, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Listen, I, I saw Bill Fickner over there starting our fire this morning for the youth. He's going to stink like fire today. And I barbecued before. I'm not talking about grilling. I got four burgers here, dear. I'm, I'm the master chef. Little S&P on there. Hey, look, look. You turn the gas on. No, I'm talking about when you've got the, the wood going and the fat's dripping on the fire and it smells and you wash your hair four times and you still can't get the smell out. But all I know is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego under a fire that fried the soldiers, the big burly soldiers, and they come out and they don't smell like smoke. I have no concept how you go into a fire and don't smell like smoke. I've been around the fire department in Lompoc before and I've seen them come out of the fire and their, 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 their gears, like there's smoke coming off of their, their turnout clothes, and they all stink like fire. They do. They smell. They stink. They just stink, you know. <laughs> and if they don't stink from the, the, the fire, they stink from the, the sweat, from the adrenaline being in there and, and a hot, blazing fire. And listen, these guys don't stink at all. They don't even smell like smoke. Not one hair was singed. Isn't that good news? You fall off the challenge, brothers, and say, hey, praise the Lord. Anyway, anyway, God will use the fires to bring unbelievers to himself. People will pay attention of you more, not when you're living on luxury, not when you're doing just great, not when you're healthy, but they'll pay attention to you when you go to the fires. They're going to watch your faith. They're going to listen to your tone. They're going to watch the way you worship. They're going to watch whether or not you press into God's presence or retreat from. They're going to watch whether or not you, you, you get into small groups, which are going to start soon, or, or you come to church. A lot of people in crisis pull back. Well, Lord, you must not be who you said you were. Why is this happening to me? And rather than staying firm with the Lord and reading their Bible and worshiping God every day, they pull back. Number one thing people do when they have a financial crisis, it's usually because they made bad decisions. That's why they need to go to the Financial Peace University and Dave Ramsey and all that. But the number one thing, they, they stop tithing. They stop praying. They, no, your friends are watching. And by the way, if you're a parent, can I just give you a word? Your kids watch you when the tough stuff hits. When the dad says, come on, kids, we're going to pray together. Now, by the way, don't disclose everything about your crisis or fire to a four-year-old. We want you to understand we're going through financial difficulties. That four-year-old don't even care. Huh? They don't care. Where's my food coming from? Come on. Can we go buy some toys? Can I get a faster internet? Can I get a cell phone? I just turned five. I want my own phone with gaming abilities. No, no, no. Be careful what you tell them. But listen, if there's a crisis in your family, with you, with your grandkids, with your great-grandkids, if there's a crisis, hey, gather around and hold hands together and say, you know what, Lord? You got this. Don't say something silly like, we got this. You got this. You got this. You got nothing. You got him. And he's got this. So here we are, a family, surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, and it looks like hell and high water. But you know what I know? God is faithful, and he's going to see us through this, and, and he's going to bring unbelievers to himself by the way we respond and react as a family. There's people on our street that don't know Jesus. There's people at your work that don't know Jesus. There's people at Vandenberg that don't know Jesus, and they're going to watch you like a hawk. What just happened? 
Oh, they're PCSing to a real horrible place. They're going to Minot. No, no, they're PCSing. Huh? Huh? They wanted Hickam, but they got Minot. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some of you know what I'm talking about. He didn't get promoted. She didn't get promoted. They didn't get into the college. Their transmission just blew up. Let's see how full of faith they are right now. Well, we'll, we'll take the Colt bus. Go on. People are watching us. And Nebuchadnezzar, verse 28 29, praise be to the God. He's worshiping. He's worshiping. Who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their own lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree, come on, he's like the national evangelist, that all people of any nation or language say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, cut him into pieces. Now, he's not been totally transformed yet. <laughs> he said, if you don't worship their god, we're going to cut him up. And we're going to get a bulldozer, a big D9, and we're going to run their house over and turn it into a pile of rubble. For no other God, now he's back to preaching again, no other God can save in this way. Wow. Hey, it's a great day when people come up to you and say, I watched you go through what you went through, and I realized that your faith in God is what got you through what you went through. And you've been unshakable through this thing. I don't get it, but tell me more about your God. And it's a great day when people all of a sudden start worshiping the Lord with you. Or you look around in, in, in church, and I've seen this happen here in my 33 years of being here. People that I thought, there's no way they'll ever come to church, but I'll keep working on them. And all of a sudden I see them, and then, what a beautiful name it is. And then, cactus worship. What a beautiful, this cactus. What a beautiful name it is. Hey, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I mean, it's like, really? Really? I've seen this happen in my minute. There's nothing like it when people are transformed. Why? Because we understand, last but not least, that God will reward my faith in heaven. He'll reward it. If you're going through stuff right now, hold on, because God's going to reward you. He made this side of heaven, but I can guarantee on the other side of this life, when we stand before the God that we love and we know and we serve, he's going to reward us. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15. I'm going to read this and we'll just go a couple more minutes. And 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15 says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. You know the Bible calls you a builder, an architect? What are you building? You're building your life. I'm building my, what are we building? We're, we're building our life. But each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And boy, do I ache. Does my soul ache for people that are trying to build their life on anything else but Jesus? I saw a bunch of them at Old Town Market the other night. And I, my, you know, we're having fun and we're doing our thing and giving away cotton candy. And inside my heart is grieving. I go, I know that guy. I've known him a long time. He's still chasing after stuff. Nothing has to do with Jesus. Nothing has to do with God. Lord, somehow, please, you know. I smiled at him. I talked to them. I saw somebody else that was grumbling and mumbling and fumbling and somebody else like checking us out. Why are you guys here? That's good. God bless you. Have a great night, you know. Yeah. 
For no one can lay a foundation other than is already laid in Jesus Christ. If anyone builds, their work will be shown for what it is. It will be revealed with, come on, fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. How does it survive? You build it with Jesus. You build it on the truth of the word. You build it on faith. The builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. I don't want to just escape the flames. I want to build something where the Lord says, Bernie, you did a good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want, and that's what I want for you. So let me end by saying a couple things. There's probably some of you here who've yet to give your life to Christ. That's the fourth dude that showed up in the fire. That's the one you want with you. You do not want to go tomorrow alone. You do not want to go next month alone. There's not a person in here that knows what the stock market is going to do in 19 days. thought I'd tell you that. There's not a person in here that knows the economy of America a year from now. You don't. There's no one that knows your personal condition six months from now. And no one in here knows what's going to happen to you two years three days and four hours from now, but God does. And so that's why I'm just submitting to you that you give your life over to Jesus Christ because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. You don't get there by being American. You don't get there by living in, I'm Lomp I live in Santa Barbara County. I'm a Lompokian. We say poke, not pock. Therefore, we're going to, no, 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 listen. Listen, by your faith, by your faith in Jesus Christ and by your confession with your lips that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, you shall be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then down in verse 13, it says, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. Whoever. That means somebody living in the penthouse and somebody living in the poorhouse. That means somebody who lives in the greatest country in the world, our country, United States. Or someone who lives in a third world country and can't find clean water or food to eat. It doesn't matter if the soul calls out to God, he sees us as redeemable, as reconcilable, and he takes us from where we are to where we need to be. That's what salvation is all about. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.